As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome in, everybody. This is a brand new podcast. A lot of smiles in this room because we're going to be talking baseball and it is cold outside. The Racing Presidents Podcast. It is a new podcast via NBC Sports Washington talking Washington Nationals with you and the three stooges in the studio to talk baseball. Todd Dibas, our Nats insider. Tim Shovers, he sits across from me and my name is Tim Murray. So we got a couple Tims. That could be a little confusing, but a couple Tims and a Todd, the three T's talking baseball with you. The Racing Presidents podcast. Very excited to get this rolling and we'll be live from Las Vegas. At least one of us will be come next week with all of the breaking baseball news. So stick with us. We will be your authority when it comes to the Washington Nationals out in Las Vegas podcast version. The Nationals have obviously provided us with the free agency of Bryce Harper. And then this week they add in an addition of the highest profile starting pitcher, trade for a catcher, and a couple other pieces in there. So, guys, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, they took care of so many things early. Mike Rizzo has been uber aggressive. He joked at Nationals Winterfest that they're impatient people over there. It turns out that he's been pretty impatient, and he quickly resolved a lot of the issues that I think – Basically, everybody knew. No one's surprised by any of the moves we've seen so far. They had to do something at catcher. The situation there was atrocious by the offseason. They had to do something for the rotation. They had to do something in the bullpen. And they've quickly done a lot of those things, which leaves us with Bryce Harper. A team that's been accustomed to making the playoffs most every year in this decade did not screw around in a year in which they did not make the playoffs. And they saw a newcomer in Atlanta take over the division. And Mike Rizzo very quickly... Patrick Corbin, 140 million. They get Gomes a catcher, not screwing around for 2019. A lot to get to, and we will get to the addition of Jan Gomes, Kurt Suzuki's triumphant return to the nation's capital. I know everybody is is just phenomenally excited about uh, round two for Kirk Suzuki. Kurt, yeah. Kurt, Kirk, Kurt, Kurt, Kurt. Kurt Suzuki was was he not the catcher in the ninth inning of Game Five in well, 2012? I think Bruce Allen calls him Kirk Suzuki. <laughs> so I just. Had to throw that in there. We will get to all that. But, of course, the biggest news, and it has nothing to do with the gentleman wearing 34 on the back of his jersey while in town. It is Patrick Corbin. Six years, $140 million, coming off a career year where he was one of the best strikeout pitchers in the league. 246 strikeouts and 200 innings of work. An ERA just a bit north of three 
at 3.15. So Corbin slowing things down, but now he's ready. He goes. Swing and a miss. Inning over. Struck him out with a fastball. And uh, this statistic was thrown out there, and, and Todd, you alluded to what the Nationals needed to do, and they've addressed so many of their needs already. Knew they needed to go out and get a catcher, needed to beef up that bullpen, and they needed to figure out what was going to happen in this rotation after Scherzer and Strasburg, because after those two gentlemen last year, the ERA was 4.69. The record, which, yes, I know, record is kind of throw it out the window, but still we'll read it into the record. Throw it out the record when a guy wins 10 games and wins a Cy Young. 27 and 39. So that was the record and ERA outside of Scherzer and Strasburg. The Nats needed to do, to do something, as Tim also alluded to. This division was not won by the Nationals. We all know that. The Braves are not getting any worse. The Mets have been aggressive. Robinson Cano, Edwin Diaz going to the Mets along with $20 million. We anticipate the Phillies to be very aggressive with the money that they have, and they've already made a, a banner trade getting Jan Segura. So this was an aggressive move, and uh, were you at all surprised? We knew that, Todd, that the Nats were going to be in on Patrick Corbin, but did you think they would end up landing Patrick Corbin? I'm not surprised. One of the main reasons why is, is Rizzo's thought process remains the same, of that the starting pitching is the foundation of any team. He made that point again at Winterfest when essentially the question was phrased, hey, everybody's kind of bullpenning and thinking about these creative ways to use their staff. And you guys keep giving 100 plus million dollar deals to people, long term deals, which other people are not. Why are you doing that? And he uh, repeated that the reason they're doing that is because he believes that's where everything starts. And when the Nationals were good last season in May, when they were 20 and seven, basically the only month of the year that they were good, the starting pitching was good. And you look at that month and you see everybody kind of six and two thirds range. Gio Gonzalez was good. Tanner was good. There was depth there after that. Max was good, and everybody else kind of went away, was either her or the results fluctuated, or both in a lot of cases. So, no, I'm not surprised. The length thing, the Yankees reportedly at five years mm-hmm. put a cap on it, so the six year is probably a big deal. We'll also see how much money is deferred, what the opt-out situation is, and kind of the devil in the details as we go forward here. But I'm not surprised at all about the sentiment of we're going to make a really large investment here and we really need to do something in our rotation and we want a left-hander to do that, particularly one who's very good against the Dodgers, the two-time reigning National League champion. The only thing concerning to me was of the deal was the six years, as you alluded to, but basically any hundred-plus million-dollar starting pitcher deal in modern baseball, you kind of have to eat an extra year or two. It's just naturally how the negotiations go. You mentioned bullpenning versus starting pitching. The World Series champions, you know, they weren't bullpenning because they had David Price and Chris Sale. And the Milwaukee Brewers would not be bullpenning if they had Max Scherzer on their roster. They had to make do with what they had. I mean, don't forget they had Gio Gonzalez as like their ace entering the NLCS, basically. That was something. So Tim, there's some chuckling there when you were saying that. Why there, so? Well, I I don't know what it could be. Uh, but, such a great game five a couple of years ago. Yeah. Oh, gosh. But uh, I think that game just ended about 10 minutes ago. I view it as like, yeah, starting pitching is a scarce resource. And if you can get the few guys who are good, and I would put Corbin on the back end of guys who are good, you get them and probably eat the final fifth or sixth year of the deal. But the first four, I think it's totally worth it. When you look at, I know Scherzer's is is much higher than, than what Corbin will receive, but still, I mean, I, I think that's the mindset for all of these mega contracts is what Tim alluded to. And, and so far the mega contract for Steven Strasburg has obviously 
has already paid for itself. And, 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 you know, it's always an added bonus when you're able to make the back cover of the, the daily news. And uh, that, that's what happened for the Nationals. Corb, your enthusiasm. Corbin spurns Bronx for Nats. But Yanks were wise to balk at six years, $140 million. So let's, let's, let's go to that point. You get six years, $140 million. Are you okay with the terms of this deal? As you mentioned, we don't know when the opouts are coming, if it could be a potential uh, you know, team option situation like you guys talked to Ryan Zimmerman over the weekend. This, in all likelihood, will be, this is, will be his final year with an opt-out for the team, you know, $2 million buyout as opposed to paying him, what, $20, $18 million. So that just seems like a, a rather no-brainer come 2020 for the Nationals to, to move on from Ryan Zimmerman. So we'll get into the ramifications of what it means for other free agents. People know what I'm talking about in just a bit. But six years, 140. Are you okay with that? Yeah, a couple things. One, to Tim's point, is everybody is trying to find, to find a way to get 27 outs. Right. And they're trying to figure that out. And in the Nationals' mind... They want to pay a guy who they feel like gives them the best chance of getting 21 of those 27 outs repeatedly, right? And so they think that's a very good path to acquiring those outs. It's just a matter of what path are you using to get those things done and just one, two, three, and find a way to get the 27 and repeat. And obviously we know the 162-game season is a massive workload, and that's something everybody's trying to manage against as they go forward. And also to Tim's point, Tampa Bay – doesn't have the cash to do this. Right. If they had the cash to pay Max and Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin or whomever else they desired, they would presumably be doing that instead of having Sergio Romo pitch the Start first games. Yeah. The Dodgers not bullpenning right. in the first inning. Yeah. Right. So there's an equitable discussion here of this is a path to getting out. What is your path to getting these outs based on your resources? The positive thing that you argue in Corbin's case, you see him on the ascent. Right. You see Dallas Keuchel going in the different direction. So ever since Corbin had Tommy John surgery, he sat out 14 and then his innings workload has gone up. His results have improved. His strikeout rate has gone up. He's kind of added a slider slurve kind of thing on top of his fastball and, and regular slider that helped him see a real large spike in strikeouts last year. So he's trending in the right direction, which is why you're going to pay him and we were talking about the length, the five, six years. Well, you're paying here for years one, two, and three, and then you'll see what happens in four, and then you kind of move into five and six and cross your fingers. Not everybody's going to be Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer was astonished. No one wanted to give him seven years. I was talking to him about that last summer until Nationals ownership said, we're going to give this guy seven years and bring him in here. And it wasn't even necessarily the 210. It was the seven, and he had never been hurt before, and he was like, why won't these people pay me? But no one wanted to pay him. Instead, the Nationals decided they wanted to, and the results have been pretty good so far. But he's also a bit more of an outlier, so you want the front end of this to work while you're very competitive in a lot of other places. Again, if you're Tampa Bay, you're not paying these guys because where are you in in the AL East and in the mix of everything? So a pitcher still ascending, probably getting better, a perfect fit for what you want and need, and you have the money and resources to do it. I think it is important to bring up, though, and I I like the deal with Corbin, but two years ago, he had a 5.15 ERA. He has been demoted to the bullpen at at times, so he had a 3.15 last year, but 
the year before was over four, barely over four, but 4.03. So a large part of the contract that they sign is kind of banking on that he repeats 2018 when there is some recent sample size that it's not all great. Yeah, and that's certainly something that you're taking a bit of a risk on. You mentioned Dallas Keuchel, and he'll still get money. He's arguably now the best free agent starting pitcher out there, but the Nationals were able to to grab the, the consensus guy. And, and I think that's an interesting point. One thing to rebut that is that slider. Darren Willman, a researcher for MLB.com, put this tweet out there, and it, it's it's incredible. Of his 246 strikeouts, 195 of them were via the slider. That is 79% of his strikeouts were on his slider. I mean, that is just remarkable. So it it almost feels like that he's kind of reinvented himself a little bit because the strikeout numbers, well, they were fine. Now they're elite. elite. Yeah. You know, 246 and 200 is elite status. Year prior, when he struggled, and, and, and look, all this has to be written into the record that he has struggled in recent memories and he has been demoted to the bullpen like he was in 2016, but the strikeout numbers have never been even close. And, and in 2013, his strikeout numbers, even as an all-star, weren't there. So the strikeout numbers getting to this level – that's where I am extremely excited. It, this wasn't a flash in the pan type of situation where you're, you know, you're getting lucky with, you know, ground balls and whatnot. You're taking it in your own hands, like Max Scherzer has done, and to an extent, Steven Strasburg has done. He's taking it into his own hands to get these outs with those remarkable strikeout numbers. Two forty-six and one seventy-eight back-to-back seasons in the strikeout department's extremely impressive. And you look at his WAR last year, four point six, right. pretty strong. That slider like fan graphs calls it a curveball so there's a speed differentiation that's kind of making the labeling of the pitch a little confusing please go into great detail explaining it to to all of our (laughs) listeners Todd so but what it is 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 wildly effective and that's the best outcome right I mean strikeout best outcome for any pitcher one out nothing happened the ball never went in play you're moving on right you think you combine that with Max Scherzer, who finally hit 300 strikeouts last year. You also have to kind of count in the league trend here. They're, everybody's striking out way more often. Everybody's rates have kind of gone up. So it seems like Corbin has hit this spot where he's kind of figured out another pitch for him that's very effective. He's figured it out during an era where all the strikeouts are going up, and he's kind of well away from his surgery and kind of settled off from that, seemingly with three consecutive years of ERA decline. So... Even if the Nationals don't get a 3.15 ERA guy there, this is their number three guy, and, right. you, and you have a 300 strikeout guy who's an annual Cy Young candidate in front of him. You have one of the higher-end guys in the league if he can stay healthy, which is what we'll say about Steven Strasburg forever if he can stay healthy. Then you have Corbin. Then you have Tanner Roark back there, and pre- presumably Joe Ross in the fifth spot. And you look at that as a whole, and you go, pretty good. This... <laughs> First three starters in the rotation, there's over a half a billion dollars yes. invested into the start, the top three of this rotation. Well, Same with the trio on this podcast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Very similar uh, bank accounts. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. I would say most Nationals fans were, were, were excited by this move, but 
not too long after the excitement came the pivot of, does this mean we're out on Bryce Harper? So $140 million go to, goes to Patrick Corbin. As mentioned, we already know the investment that they have in Steven Strasburg, in Max Scherzer, and in Ryan Zimmerman, even though they're entering the final year uh, of that contract. What does this do realistically to the Nationals' chances of signing Bryce Harper? Does it stay the same? Does it now drop significantly? Can they not get to a point of $400-plus million if we were to get into that ballpark? We know what has been offered, 10 for 300. You know Where does this leave the Nationals when it comes to Bryce Harper? I don't think it helps, but I certainly don't think it eliminates him. I don't think it helps because you have to figure out your math here and you have to think about Anthony Rendon and what are you trying to do? Are you more of the Dodgers mindset of you want depth and versatility you don't want an anchor? even though you have, you already basically have three anchors now and, and they're all in the starting rotation. But this is going to put a good product on the field, what Mike Rizzo has already done this offseason. The Bryce Harper decision was always going to be a learner family decision. It remains a learner family decision. Now you're just looking at, do you want to push all your chips in? Do you want this surplus in a space of the field where you're already in good shape? You're going to be in good shape without him. So... How much are you really going over, you know, the falls here and pushing all your money in, bring him back, add him on top of this and say, and go back. Don't forget when Davey Martinez was hired, what did we hear all day during that press conference? World Series, World Series, right. World Series, World Series. Get to that next level, which is win a world championship here in Washington. They finished 500. So now does that change your temperament of should we dial it back? and relax a little bit and put a really good product on the field, which is what we would have right now, or are we just going to drive so hard at the World Series? Here's all our money. We're going to pay Bryce whatever it takes. And before we get into to Bryce real quick, that my biggest worry was that most Boris clients wait a long time. You know, look at Max Scherzer. Look at uh, Prince Fielder. You know, these guys waited until sometimes spring training to get these deals done, and that leaves teams kind of stuck on their on their heels the Nationals have gone with an aggressive front, and, and that, to me, as a Nationals fan, has excited me, regardless of what happens with Bryce Harper, because even the, the, the most optimistic Nationals fan thought it was maybe 50-50, maybe 60-40 that he'd come back. I mean, you still knew there were going to be other suitors with a lot of money, and we don't know what is. We, we still don't fully know what is number one on Bryce Harper's mind. Is it proximity to Las Vegas, which would give L.A. a massive advantage is it history which would lead to new york or something like that or is it just flat out cash whoever's going to offer me the most money we, we don't know what is number one on his list i don't know if we'll ever know what number one is what has excited me is that the nats with the corbin signing with the trades that they have made they have addressed the issues that they have because they regardless of bryce harper returning or leaving they had other holes to be filled that needed to be filled and they haven't just waited back and be like, all right, well, we'll wait and see if we can. he'll sign our $400 million contract. If he doesn't, then we're you know, scrambling the fighter jets. They've gone out and said, we're going to fill our holes, and if we get Bryce Harper, fantastic. I think Todd hit the nail on the head the way you described it uh, in terms of how the Corbin deal relates to whether or not Harper comes back. To me, the question is, and you look at some recent stars and when they change teams and what happened to the teams that they left mm – -hmm. As a Nationals fan, do you want the Nats to keep Harper at all costs? Like, to me, I look at it, when I kind of look at, like, St. Louis after Pujols left, 
in Seattle after a rod left. And, and there are other examples where I was like, I'd rather keep that 300 million and then disperse it elsewhere. My biggest question was, and this has been talked about and will continue to be talked about is I don't want Bryce Harper at 500, $400 million. If that hinders the nationals from using a, a football analogy, I know it's, it's apples to oranges because football is a salary cap and baseball is not, except they've got the luxury tax. You know, a Joe Flacco situation where Joe Flacco gets its massive salary and then the Ravens are unable to fill the holes around it. If that occurs with the Nationals, then I don't want Bryce Harper back at all costs. Yeah, so like, let's just say, and we're talking about someone else's money here, 375 for Harper, or you can bring back Rendon at 215 and add another good outfielder and then a good bullpen pitcher, something like that, like basically yeah. three or four players instead of Harper, who is at the end of the day, a corner outfielder. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very, very interesting, but that all being said, we're making an assumption that Rendon is definitely coming back. If you could tell me right now, Tim, that, okay, you're not going to get Bryce Harper, but Anthony Rendon's definitely resigning, and you could get other pieces, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'd, I'd certainly, but there's no guarantee that Anthony Rendon is going to, to resign. You would imagine if Bryce Harper doesn't sign, then the Nats will throw a whole lot of money his way and that you would be in a better situation. And I know that you wrote about it over the weekend. Rendon does have that personality, which seems more similar to Steven Strasburg, which was if we get to a point, a money point that I'm happy with, let's just get the deal done. Bryce Harper, I felt like all along was going to do the free agent tour. Yeah, 100% agree on Rendon. And and I should have mentioned this in my prior answer is that Rizzo and ownership has a good sense probably of where they are with the likelihood of doing an extension as opposed to Rendon hitting the open market eventually, right? right? Because A, they're accustomed to all of Scott Boris's tactics. B, they know what Rendon wants. It's, it's not every day that we're going around in public and have the president of baseball operations say, we've been trying to give this guy an extension for a year and then have the guy say, they've been trying to give me an extension for a year and that would be great. There's usually some cat and mouse happening yeah. here. Instead, this is a very direct delivery from, from both of them. Anthony Rendon is not going to spend any time in public throwing up smoking mirrors so he can earn an extra $20 million on his extension. It's funny you mentioned the price point. I almost feel like the price point matters to Boris. What matters to Anthony is that he just like signs a contract and then he gets to play some more baseball. Right? <laughs> One important thing, and not to get too far Rendon because that's kind of back burner right now, but... He's from Houston. Mm -hmm. Houston's pretty good at third base right now with Alex Bregman. Yep. Right. I don't know if that would play into a potential decision of whether or not he wants to pursue free agency. Yeah, what is your feeling, Todd? I mean, you had an opportunity to kind of be able to have a, a real conversation with him. He's rather yes, the rare opportunity. He's rather uh, aloof and doesn't want to be talked to uh, by by the media. Did you see him on TMZ? <laughs> no, I did not. Oh, TMZ got him in Reagan National. Does Bryce's decision, is that going to have any effect on what you do? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it might have an effect to, to what players uh, as a union get. Um, obviously, if he drives up the free agency market, then I think it's going to help a lot, a lot of the players that are going to come out become free agents later on down the road. So he's going to help, you know, other guys. But do you think, do you think your decision to stay in, in D.C.? Oh, no, it shouldn't have an impact on me. You like D.C.? Uh, it's my personal, my personal choice and his personal choice. What do you do? How much do you think he's going to end up getting at the end of the day? Oh, man, I don't know. I hope he gets the most that he's going to get, man. You're Bor is Boris, Boris is, a, is a beast like that, though, right? Oh, yeah, he's best in the business. Best in the business? Yeah, apparently. Yeah, I got Boris. You got Boris, too? Yeah. So 
So you're gonna you're gonna be getting a back steal too, right? Uh, I don't know. We'll see, man. It's all in the man upstairs playing. Yeah, as a player, you, I, I think you should have been an all-star. You could you guys take that personally when you're not when you do it. I mean, to an extent, obviously, you want to do good, you know, as a competitor, as an athlete, but hey, you shouldn't let it, let it affect you who you are as a human being. Before Winterfest, they did the camera guy lurking at the airport thing, and somehow he identified Rendon, who had his hood up, naturally, and ran up to him, turned on the camera, and started asking him about Bryce. Wow. Which was the first question I asked Rendon when we had our group session with him at Winterfest was, so let's talk about TMZ and how enjoyable that was. <laughs> Um, and he said some things. Uh, he, he was not pleased, but put on his good face for the camera while his wife was in tow as well. Back to Harper. You mentioned, like, we don't know what Harper wants, right? right. You know, is it the money? So I have a guess as to where I think Harper's going to go. I felt this for over a year, and it's become kind of in vogue now. And that, that is Philadelphia. Okay. I think the reason he's going to go to Philadelphia, in addition to they're still going to pay him a ton of money, is I think he likes the park. The right field porch, the dimensions there. He's always hit well in Philadelphia throughout his career. And I think that is going to be his main reason. Because it's, in his mind, best baseball decision. And I hate this discussion of legacy. But, yeah, I mean, that, that could enhance his, his legacy, so to speak. He'll be embraced in Philadelphia if he went to Philadelphia. They would... They would love him. They'd also hate him I if was he was gonna say, going through struggles. Easy, easy place for him to get turned on as well. I, and shameless plug for Todd, I was reading through your article on NBC Sports Washington the other day about Los Angeles. And there was a, a rumor out there, Yahoo Sports reported that Magic Johnson had met with them, and that was not true. Regardless, points that you made make a lot of sense. It's the bright lights. It is a historical franchise. They win. They've been to two straight World Series. They haven't won it, but they are a winning franchise. Uh he could be a superstar. He could, I don't know how much, you know, everyone talks about LeBron, you know, wanting to go out there to be in movies and, and all of that. I don't know how much that appeals to him, but I think it does a little bit. You know, him showing up at college game day, you know, he likes, he likes to be the center of attention. Him being in Los Angeles. Add in that he's four hours away from Las Vegas. That's a drive. Less than an hour flight. To me, if Los Angeles is serious and they are willing to spend the money. Now, I will preface this. I think he's going to go to the place that is – he's not going to take a discount to go anywhere. Not, that's not his mentality. That's not Boris's mentality. But I think when it's all said – Or should it be. Yeah. Get your, get your yeah, money, man. Yeah. I think Los Angeles is the destination for him. And I, I, I don't know his relation, but I imagine it's a decent one with Stan Kasten. And that's also kind of an, an add-in there too, you know, the tie to the Nationals. Yeah, and I think he has a good respect for Dave Roberts as well. Mm -hmm. um, he likes – how he does things, um, how he is, just kind of that that vibe that he gives off. Um, I would think if you were going to compare Davey Martinez kind of in mentality and personality and vibe to someone, Dave Roberts would be would be a good comparison of the ex-player and just kind of how they go about their business. I think Dave Roberts is a much better manager at this point. I'm going to push back, though, on the Dave Roberts angle because all it takes is one disappointing year, kind of like the Nats had. You win 80, 81 games, and Roberts, considering the money they pay out in L.A., would get fired. Like, I don't think he's going to make his long-term decision based upon the manager. No, I'm not saying at all that he's strictly making it on the manager. No, I know you're not, but I'm just saying, like, I, I don't even think that that would even enter his calculus. Yeah, I, I would I would disagree that it wouldn't enter his calculus. I, I would think it would. I think he, he's gone, with off the top of my head, he's gone through four managers since he walked in the major leagues, and he wasn't real pleased with at least half of them. 
he was all on board with Matt Williams, which kind of surprised folks, but he really <laughs> yeah. liked Matt Williams. He really likes Davey Martinez. I just think when I look at the Dodgers, I'm trying to find where the no is if you're Bryce Harper, and I'm having a hard time finding that. Look, he's a fan of history of the game, which I think all three of us can appreciate. So, you know, going to Dodger Stadium and, and being, you know, in that pretty iconic uniform, I think that a would appeal to him. I just never saw him doing an, an A-Rod, just taking the money wherever. I, I never thought that would happen. And that's why the destinations of Philly, D.C., and L.A., am I missing anyone else? Maybe San Francisco? Well, Chicago. I mean, yeah. there's rumors in the meetings. I never thought I don't Chicago, think he's going there. I never thought yeah. Chicago was really. First of all, have to move a lot of parts to even start making that money work. Two things why I don't think he's going to Chicago. One, I don't think it's great. He's not the best fielder, right? No. We've seen him get flummoxed, and you got to deal with the wind out. He's got to deal with that wind, not 81 times a year, but many times a year in right field. We've seen many good outfielders struggle in Wrigley Field. Also, Chris Bryant took a step back this yeah. year, and the main reason why people were saying, in addition to the name of his dog, Wrigley, is that, well, Chris Bryant, MVP of Cubs, you know, it's his best friend from right. Vegas. Like, I never who knows? Really like, yeah. He's not the best player in Chicago anymore. That's not Javi Baez. Chris Bryant might not be there in a year or two. And I've always kind of found that argument a bit silly. The best friend one? Yeah, 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 I agree. Um, maybe it's more applicable in, in basketball because you're actually just, your interaction with that other guy is so heightened during the time you're playing a game. But I'm not buying it, especially in baseball, and especially for Bryce Harper, who comes in at the toward when you have to be there in the clubhouse and then gets cleaned up and leaves when the game is over, which is not a slight to him. I don't know. I always found this funny, too, that people, if you work a nine to five job and you have to be there at nine, who shows up at eight? And then they're like, <laughs> all right, you can go at five. And you're like, I'm going to hang out here till like 730. No, thanks. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, that Bob. Bob, an accountant. First one in, last one to leave. Like, right. That's just stupid, Bob. Just right. go home. Costanza <laughs> did pull that move off rather well with his own unique system. San Francisco, Murray, which kind of is like people have kind of forgotten San Francisco yeah. as an option. I do wonder, you know, I mentioned the right field porch in Philadelphia. I don't think this would be this driving force, but I think he would very much enjoy having that right field to make a lot of splash hits. Oh, yeah. like I, that would be like page three of his decision. But I could see if he narrowed down San Francisco, be like, man, I could do what Bonds did. That'd be pretty cool. But, well, no, but, but, but knowing him, he might enjoy doing that as an opponent. Yeah, on a regular basis. Which he right. did in the playoffs. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And now he gets to do it if he went to Los Angeles a lot more often. Yeah, trolling them yeah. via McCovey Cove. You mentioned Bonds, and it's interesting when he went there. I mean, they weren't much, and then they went into this run of being really, really good. And obviously his numbers were absolutely insane while he was there. So I don't see them as a great fit at this point for a guy who's much younger than Bonds was at the time. So... It's, it's tricky, you know, and it, and you could put a million things on his list. I swear to God, he's going to have rain on his list. He wants to know climate after last summer because there were so many delays and postponements and grumbling from all the players about how ridiculous last yeah. year was. Uh, None of the rich the teams play indoors. Right, you go true. through the teams that play indoors. It's yeah, right, right. it's the Florida teams. It's uh, Milwaukee. Arizona is not considered so a rich team. Deploy, deploy <laughs> Boris for a full climate study, Houston, I, I would assume. Houston's and, uh, not a rich team. They're good. How much location. do you think proximity plays into this? We know his relationship with his dad. He does I love you to his mom every time he hits a home run. Yep. His brother's still in the organization, which might end if Price Harper signs somewhere else. But how much do you think the proximity to Las Vegas, his hometown, plays into this? I mean, I think it's a factor on, on our, again, our long list of factors. Right. We don't know what what is the... 8 out of 10 factor versus a bunch of the 1 out of 10s that he's just kind of piling on here. 
But that's maybe why he'll I go, go back to Oakland, to the... <laughs> and when he has to rehab, he goes to Las Vegas. That's why. I, That'd be a great Onion article for our precise the Oakland Athletics. <laughs> that's why I go back to Los Angeles, though, again, because each one of these things that we bring up, it's applicable to them in, the, in a positive manner, right? right? So if he's going to go down, I'm sure he's much more advanced than I am, but I make, you know, you make a checklist of what's good on the left and what's bad on the right. And when you look at those and you look at Los Angeles's checklist and you look at the other checklists, unless there's a severe financial gap, which I wouldn't imagine there would be, because why else would you be bothering to do this if you're only going to be like, we'll give you 326 so you can say you make more than Stanton. Well, that's like the baseline for getting anything done here. You're going 326 and up because he has to be Stanton. And mm-hmm. you wonder what is Machado going to get and. You have to think about that and how that's going to reflect and what value you're putting on that, what mental value you're putting on that. So I think proximity is a thing. I think all of these things weigh into it. I do wonder when you are that rich how much proximity means to you because you can resolve the average person proximity problem really rapidly because you're super rich. You walk on the tarmac, you get in a plane, and you go to where you want to go. Here's why I don't think proximity is that big a deal. I think it'd be a plus, obviously, if he decides the Dodgers. I think if the Stanton deal had not happened to New York, I think he'd be going, better chance he'd be going to the Yankees if they didn't take on that contract and have Stanton. And there's been many reports, like, as a kid, he dreamed of playing for the Yankees. Now, what you think at 12 changes when you become 22 and so on and so forth. But my point is that New York clearly is one of the top destinations to him. And that is obviously not in close proximity to Las Vegas, Nevada. Agreed. He's also irked with that destination. He's already irked with the New York media, not even playing there. Mm -hmm. He was tired of them every time the Mets came or every time the Yankees came. It was a herd at his locker. He started to change how he approached it in the last couple of years, either A, by not showing up, which he did a lot this summer. There, There was a reporter from New York waiting for him on a daily basis at his locker, standing like almost in his locker, and Harper never showed up pregame. It wasn't coincidence. Like, he would show up at least once during a series. In this series, he was nowhere to be found, and you just saw a lonely reporter standing over there. So that's in his head, too, of dealing with all that stuff. And if he goes to Philadelphia, I mentioned that he'll be loved. He'll also, as I also mentioned, could be hated. You go to Los Angeles, it's just a different world out there, and he's not the biggest star, and he'll never be the biggest star while LeBron is there. I hear you. I think he would embrace that. I think he would I, like I, that adversarial relationship with the fans. He, I think he wants to be, an, and, and Todd, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he, he wants to be a superstar, mm-hmm. but not the main, always you know, nitpicked every little thing that he does. Here in D.C., honestly, he's a superstar, but it, with the Redskins, there's more to nitpick. When you're in New York City... Or Philadelphia. Or Philadelphia. You strike out. You go 0 for 4. I mean, they booed John Carlos Stanton on opening day. That's what I was going to say. You, you, show, you were showing the back page of a New York right. tabloid earlier. Remember I mean, what I, I just like, for six years? I feel like Bryce Harper wants the the superstar status, but he, I could be off base here, but he doesn't. And I, I think we're all kind of built like this. He doesn't really want to want to be nitpicked every single day. But I feel like in Los Angeles, you know, oh, Bryce Harper struck out 0, 0 for 4 today? Oh. Man, that well, stinks. We, oh, let me go to the beach. If nitpicking <laughs> was, a, was a huge priority to him, then I think he'd want to stay here more for the reasons you just I mentioned. I think he does want to stay here. I, I really do. I think he likes it here. I think he would happily stay here. Yes. I'm not saying it's number one, but I think he would be. Because I don't know what is number one on his list. In my opinion, if the Nationals offer him the most money, I think he, re- he returns to D.C. In February, I thought it was here or the Dodgers. 
Now I think if everything was the same, it was kind of here or the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And every I see detraction everywhere else. Maybe Philadelphia gives goes full Tom Hicks and gives him an amount of money that no one else is going to compete with, which is what happened with Alex Rodriguez, right? The Mariners were willing to give A-Rod five years. Texas gave him 10. Ten. Right. Kevin Garnett's contract was $126 million at the time, the largest in the history of North American professional sports. Magically, A-Rod gets 252. Let's Double see, that. 126 times two. <laughs> uh, you know, carry the three. If there's that situation in Philly... Then okay, then, then then that wipes out all this other stuff, and they just say this is how it is. I actually talked to Pat Gillick last week, and the phrase he used about a Rod was we were we were blown out of the water. Like they they were all astonished. And I talked to Doug Melvin for a story that we're going to have on NBC Sports Washington coming up here, and he was like, I went to the GM meetings after that, and people were kind of the other GMs were looking at me like, what the hell are you doing over there? Now we got to pay people, you know, you just gave this guy $252 million. So not to derail this conversation of that, but there is that outlier that Philadelphia has that wiggle room. And if they drop that kind of money, then, then a lot of the pluses that Tim has outlined here, whether it's the park and other things and some legacy things can, can certainly be argued there. Mike Trout is a free agent after next season, correct? Correct. That is a huge thing as it relates to Philadelphia. He's from South Jersey. He's, we saw him at the Eagles Super Bowl. If he wants to go back to Philadelphia, you know, that does play into the calculus of, do they want to pay both guys? Can they pay both? I think, I think they can, but Harper and Trout, would Harper want to potentially coexist with Trout? That is something to examine because there's a more than decent chance that Trout is not playing in Anaheim after next season. I think Machado is all, you know, also part of the equation. Here. Absolutely. They, I mean, would it, to me, it, I don't know. Philly just feels like a, a more likely destination for Machado and other places feel more likely to me about Harper. Wait, so what's your guess on Machado? I, I think he goes to Philly. I think he goes to Philly. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he goes to New York or he goes to LA. Yeah, yeah. I think he goes to Philly. So, but to, Tim, what you were saying when we when we started this is you're gonna have to what, call us Murray. And I know. I, I was thinking about this. I, so I just popped in my head. We've been I, working together for eight years. Yeah, we're used yeah. to the, the confusing Tim thing, but it's okay. Maybe we need to introduce some middle names here. Tim Murray. What you were saying to start. <laughs> We don't know exactly what is paramount to Bryce. No one knows that. As we, as we kind of discuss this, this is observational for me from being in the clubhouse and being around him for, you know, more than four years and, and that sort of thing. And, and then just other basic logic factors as, as we look around here. So things get weird. I mean, Baltimore was the mystery team, supposedly, for A-Rod. So who knows what's going to happen and, and who knows how much smoke we're actually getting leaked out of Philadelphia to kind of pump this. We're going to spend stupid money and all this mm-hmm. stuff. They would be more than happy to puff up Harper's price sure. and make the nationals pay it in the division and then sign Machado for less. So there's other gazemanship going on here as well. Two quick hitters. I think we've kind of all said it, but let's just read it into the record. It's early December winter meetings next week. We can change our mind. I think it's the Dodgers. Where do you think Todd? For Bryce Harper. Ultimately, Ultimately. I, I would guess the Dodgers. Are you still well. on the Phillies? I think he's going to the Phillies. So you think the Phillies are going to sign Machado and Harper? I do. And they traded for Segura. Segura, and I think they still Man, might sign Trout. That's that's a heck of an offseason right there. <laughs> yeah. Can we get any money from that? Yes, I mean, maybe. Timeline. Initially, I thought that he would sign at the winter meetings just because it was Vegas. But then the more I think about it, it's Boris client. I think it will be February type of signing. Todd, what's your feel on on when Bryce signs? I always thought mid-January. I yeah. still feel that way, especially with Corbin out of the way. Um, I think they're going to clear a lot of things. They want Machado to go first, I would guess. Because they want to beat it. Yeah, yeah. and then they, then they want to beat it. They, Who is they, Machado's agent? 
Is, is it is it Boris? I thought it, it's not Boris. It's not Boris. Okay, I wasn't. I was like, that would be a little awkward. <laughs> Can you name a, an agent in baseball not Other named than Scott, Scott Boris? I think that he is going to sign next week at really? the winter meeting because I felt that all along. I still feel that way. Remember, last year was a disastrous off season for for free agents and for a lot of Boris yes. clients. Jake Arrieta didn't sign with Philly until very late. I mean, I think spring training had begun. You talk about the proximity. I do think it would mean a lot to him to have his press conference in Vegas next week. Yeah, if this was in Orlando at Disney World or whatever, yeah. no, no chance. There's that, like, at this point, I feel like I just, there to me, there hasn't been enough smoke of, you know, where he could go in the meetings. That, you know, we got the, the report yesterday about the Magic Johnson thing, but to me, it hasn't really percolated enough, but that doesn't mean it, it can't get done. Yeah, I, I do think it will happen on the final day there. I think it will mean something to, to him to, to be in, in Vegas. And, you know, we saw, as I said, Harper is not Arietta, and I know that a lot of teams are waiting, but I think there's just a lot of concern, and this is much different than Max Scherzer a few years ago who waited until, I think, the final Sunday in January. And I think there's going to be more rush on Boris and Harper's end than in year past. The image I can't get out of my head from last year is J.D. Martinez walking in at spring training. and No one paid this guy all, yeah, right. all winter? Are you are you kidding? Mark Reynolds, who had a good season. Right, couldn't even could, couldn't get, could not get a major league <laughs> deal. I mean, last year was very bizarre, and, and I would have to think, Boris ate a lot of humble pie behind the scenes and with his he clients. he mentioned that this summer when he talked to us here in D.C., joked that he has a memory void of, of last offseason. He's blacked out what happened and can't remember any of it. And he also made an interesting argument about, A, there's no Otani this time. Like, everyone was kind of trying to figure out what's going on there. And you knew this was looming. So, to your point earlier, Trout's looming now. But there's not Machado and Harper, which... And Harper, we've been talking about for four years to, about getting to this point. So there's some kind of clearing the decks of last offseason. There's the tax threshold to consider because if you do that multiple times, that's when you really start to get hammered as an organization. So you want to reset your clock whenever possible. And now here we are. So Todd, I produced a radio show in the summer of 2012, mm-hmm. and we had a phone segment of Will Harper sign with the Yankees and becomes a free agent. <laughs> so it's been it's been more than four years, and and that's kind of but that's kind of my to my point about New York and him with the media and and everything else as well. And if he signs in Las Vegas while everybody is there, what you will see after everyone writes and gets settled off is a massive Washington Capitals Stanley Cup celebration level reporter action going on in downtown Las Vegas. <laughs> we were all here. They set it up. It's over. We had a press conference. This is done. We know where we're going. Call the wife and kids and take it from there. Oh, my God. January is back. Your life is back in January. So prepare yourselves for that. There could be a lot of nerds running around <laughs> in, in Las Vegas with uh, celebrations going on if that occurs. Now, I want to wrap this up. The first podcast that we've done, and first of many, you know, Todd will be out in Las Vegas, leaving on on this over this weekend. He's got a had a smile on his face the entire time he's been in this podcast room. So uh, he's fired up to head out to the desert. Just a, a quick hitter on on what's transpired or what could come. Just a, a random thought on the Nats, and I'll, I'll lead it off. And uh, as this podcast continues, and Tim, you already know this, I have a massive. And we'll continue to have a massive man crush on Mike Rizzo. I just think he is phenomenal at what he does. Last year certainly wasn't his best year. But this trade to get Jan Gomes, I wish I could I wish I could uh, steal this phrase. Our friend Al Galdi calls him the ninja. Because he is. He just he pulls these 
these moves off. Gomes is a, a terrific player. He's always been an elite defender. Uh, he's, you know, our analytics love the, the framing and the, and the defense and that type of thing. Our scouts, our scouts really uh, liked the performance last year. All along, we're talking, okay, JT Realmuto, JT Realmuto. He goes out, gets an all-star catcher. Each of those catchers have been an all-star. Right. Gives up Jeffrey Rodriguez, who, you know, has shown flashes. And from everything that I've acquired from you know, just people I've reached out to about Daniel Johnson, it was kind of the overall, like, shoulder shrug. Yeah. yeah. Just a guy. He's fine. You know, nothing great. He was a double-A outfielder. So the Nationals have addressed... Their two biggest needs, second base is still important, but it's not of dire need as starting pitcher and catcher. And they still have their entire farm system intact. Now, the farm system has taken hits significantly over the years with the trades they've had to make. But still, Robles, Keyboom, Garcia, all three of those guys still remain in there. If you go out and get JT Real Muto, one, if not two of those guys are going in that, in that trade down to Miami. So you've gone out, you spent money. And you've acquired a catcher, two catchers, but the main guy in Jan Gomes, and you still have your farm system. Yeah, quickly to your point that the three guys you named, none of them are pitchers, which is not something you would anticipate you would say about a Nash- right. Washington Nationals farm system at some point, which is why they went crazy in the 2018 draft by pitch- picking 28 pitchers out of four yeah. selections. We will see, their, and we'll see if pitch. Seth Romero can yeah, get, his, get a head John, on right in, in, in Tommy John's yeah. surgery. So in in late August, so next year's out for him, right. basically. So he, he's all the way into into twenty. The thing for me, real quick here at the end is, I would go put one more investment in the bullpen of the higher end and the lefty. But I think those two things still need to get done. The Jeffrey more Robert than just is, Rosenthal. Yes, more yeah. than more than like Ottavino. You might as well from Colorado. Pay there. Yeah, yeah, you might you might as well pay there, and and definitely you need another lefty down there. In addition, one of the things you mentioned, Jeffrey Rodriguez, I thought he was going to be an interesting piece eventually. I, he was so raw last mm-hmm. year, and I thought he was. In, they put him in a terrible spot, and he was trying to figure out how to throw a changeup while he was in the major leagues. I mean, this is just not going to lead to no. success. So, but what he could have been, or what he could be, is the Eovaldi type of. Someday he starts. Someday he comes in and pitches two innings. And some days he does this. Someday you can match him up at 97. They don't really have that guy. And I thought he should have been that kind of guy last year. I thought he could have been at least have an opportunity to be that kind of guy this year. So I still think they need another significant bullpen piece. They definitely need another left-hander in the bullpen. They, they just can't have too much down there. Yeah. You, you never can. It's so volatile. It's like edge rushers and, in and the so NFL. You just yeah. never have too many. You're like, good arms in the bullpen, just just keep, keep, keep right. bringing them in. And, 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 and it's tricky, and you can never have too much. And then when it comes to the postseason, as we were talking about 27 outs earlier, you want to use basically seven dudes to get those 27 outs. It's real simple for me. Catcher was a wasteland for the Nationals last yeah. season, and now their backup catcher is Kurt Suzuki, who was just a major cog in the Braves division run last year. Like Chris Suzuki is very good. And if he is coming off your bench and is a late game substitution pinch hitter, that is fantastic. So Gomes and Suzuki round of applause to Rizzo on that one. And Suzuki has some interesting Intel about the team that just won the division. Now he's your catcher. That's a solid extra point. There are a lot of good lefty arms out there. So they should get someone more than serviceable as another left-hander go down there with, 
Matt Grace, who had a really good season. Nobody seemed to notice. He yeah. was pitched a million times and pitched really well with an injury in the middle and quietly went about it. He had a really good year. Kind of like how people always would go to bed with like Leno or Letterman. Like I would always go to bed with Matt Grace. It seemed like, you know, like <laughs> he appeared every single night in the sixth or seventh inning. Yeah, we, we joked with him uh, during the All-Star break and asked him if he made any appearances while on vacation with his <laughs> wife. <laughs> well, the Nats have already been busy and they likely will be very busy talking to Scott Boris and Bryce Harper. Todd will be out in Vegas, so make sure to follow all of his great work on NBC Sports Washington. It'll be coming in constantly. We'll figure out our podcast schedule. Uh, we're kind of be on Todd's schedule when he's out in Las Vegas, but we hope to plan to record one on a late night on Sunday. Just kind of get the feel and and hopefully that'll be right in your inbox. Rate, review, do what you have to do when it comes to podcasts to get us rolling. The Racing Presidents podcast, it'll be popping up, I don't know, a couple times a week as, as the offseason warrants. But we will be uh, we will be your Nats authority via podcast all throughout the season. For Todd Divis and Tim Shovers, my name is Tim Murray. We will talk to you shortly on the Racing Presidents podcast.